oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Win Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast, uh, the official podcast of rotofanatic.com. I'm your host, Matt Williams, uh, writing solo again today to talk about Park Factors Part 2. Today we're going to be talking about starting pitching, which is completely different, especially if you're talking about Park Factors. Uh, why, why, you may ask? Uh, we went over pit, we went over the hitters last week. If you haven't, check out that episode and the importance of hitters. We went over a lot of you know directional Park Factors like uh, obviously, if you're a right-handed hitter, you really want to know what's happening in left field at a ballpark. You don't really want a single number for an entire park. You want to see what is happening in terms of where you are likely to hit the ball, whether it's the dead center, pull side, or opposite field. Uh, for pitchers, not so much. You don't know who you're going to be facing from given day to day. Um, you're going to be visiting an entire park with different hitters. So you kind of want that number generalized down into something. Again, I don't like the normal single ballpark factors that some that are out there. I'm not going to name any, just they're all useful in their own way. But in terms of fantasy value, I find some worthwhile than others. I said uh, directional ballpark factors. I think Max, Free Max Freeze does some good jobs. As far as pitchers, I think you want to look for some, you know, certain things. Obviously, home runs could play, you know, obviously play a role. So that's something we're going to take a look at for directional uh, park, especially if there's certain power hitters in the division. But um Dan Richards over pitcher list. He actually did a good job on uh, he, if you look up an article, he actually did something on uh, pitcher park factors that included Woba for a, a ballpark. That's a, that's a great example. So we're going to use a couple of things, um, you know, kind of what Dan Richards was doing uh, with the Woba, you know, factor for ballpark. Um, he created Z scores for that. We're going to use some directional ballpark factors and we're going to kind of go division by division seeing who teams are going to be looking at in their 60 game schedule and uh, you know how that should affect pitchers starting with the American league East. Uh, they really only have one pitcher on the Baltimore Orioles, which is where we're going to start. Uh, that is probably going to be picked up in the vast majority of leagues. Um, you know, at least on this team is John means he is going to be their number one starter, which again, short season folks, you're going to want innings pitched. Even if they're not great, innings pitched are going to matter a lot probably. So John Means is going to get most of those. So he kind of steps out. Um, he, you know, he isn't fantastic, uh, but he uh, does have a uh, a 50% fly ball rate, which you're going to look at, you know, his own division as far as home runs. You immediately think, all right, he was in Camden Yards, going to Yankee Stadium. Uh, you know, none of that really jumps out as a positive, but he actually limited hard contact. He was actually in the very top of the league, a couple of top, uh, you know, uh, percentage points from the top as far as limiting hard contact, whether or not that'll, you know, translate over to this year is a completely other, other story. There's a reason he's being drafted late. He doesn't strike out a ton of batters either. So in terms of um, the actual ballpark factors for the entire league, the uh, American League East, where he's going to be spending, you know, most of his, you know, 40 of his 60 games, you know, Camden Yards is obviously home runs or not a fantastic place to hit. 
Uh, Boston actually is is fairly neutral in terms of all hitters, maybe a little on the negative side. Um, the uh, the Yankees a ballpark is, is not good for uh, you know pitchers for the most part. They have those kind of short fields. Uh, Toronto is uh, is is actually a a place where pitchers want to avoid a little bit. Not a huge difference, just slightly uh, towards the hitter's favor. And then Tampa Bay is actually a decent place to to pitch overall. Um, the division itself is more geared towards hitters with Camden Yards, Yankee Stadium, and Toronto a little bit. But overall, it's not too bad. Uh, for John Means, we know how he'll perform because we've seen him do this before. Uh, over on the National League side, where he'll be spending you know, the other uh, portion of his games, uh, you have uh, Washington Nationals Park is actually plays as a semi-favorable hitters park in general, not for, for home run hitters, um, but... Uh, but uh, for, you know, just generally hitting in general, because, you know, you want to, you know, getting people on base, singles, doubles, triples, this things matter. So Washington is uh, is actually positive for hitters. Philly, we all know um, that is a, a good place to hit in general. As far as a home run um, park, fa- you know, directional park factors, uh, left and right field is, is positive for hitters. So for, for, for pitching. Washington, Philly aren't, aren't fantastic. Miami is definitely great. Um, you know, I feel bad for the hitters there. Miami's a good place to pitch. Mets are actually a little on the hitting side now. I know we talked about this in the uh, on the uh, the hitting the hitting uh, park factors. Uh, this surprise this might surprise a few people. Uh, the Mets uh, City Field is actually kind of uh, a little more on the hitting side now. It uh, as far as directional park factors, it's above average for hitters for all fields, including center, and it's the same thing for uh, you know if we're looking at like Woba uh, to uh, kind of put a factor on the entire park. And then Atlanta is also uh, um, a little on the pitching side. So overall, this is another set that is actually kind of favorable towards hitters. So for John Means, this isn't fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, as far as if you had to draw it up, John Means, it's, it, I don't know if this necessarily will bring you up or down. You know, why are we talking about him so much? Why don't we, why don't we move on to uh, other pitchers that matter in this entire thing? So let's move on to Boston. Uh, their number one starter would have to be, I, I you know, Eduardo Rodriguez. I think that uh, everyone knows by now that uh, I've kind of comped him over to Aaron Nola in terms of what what to expect. I think in ERA, innings pitched, strikeout rate. I think that you know Aaron Nola is a combination between what we saw in twenty. 18 and 2019. And that kind of was Eduardo Rodriguez showed us last year. Um, he's more of a ground ball pitcher though. So he doesn't necessarily have to worry about the home run factors as much. So I think that this overall is something that could, you know, I, he's someone that would be moving up my draft boards. Cause while some people are moving, Hey, Luis Cesardo, Julio Arias, uh, you know, Brandon Woodruff, like short guys that were short on innings, uh, guys like Eduardo Rodriguez innings eighters that, um, kind of, are boring, I should say, are, are tending to move back and back. So he's someone I'm keeping an eye on. So as a ground ball pitcher, I think that uh, the, the park factor should benefit him for the most part. Uh, no one else on this team necessarily I'm that excited about. Um, the only other guy I would have liked is Chris Price, but they they shipped him on over uh, to uh, the West Coast, and we'll probably talk about him in a little bit. Uh, moving on to the New York Yankees. You know, they have James Paxson, Big Maple. Uh, he is someone that you know, does tend to give up some home runs. So being in his own ballpark, like last year, you know, he, we obviously didn't get to see a full season. Um, you know, now he, he hurt his back and now he's coming, you know, he should be fine for the rest of the season uh, by the time the game starts. So 
being in this division, just his home division for 40 of the 60 games is a negative for him, but he is very talented and you're already getting a discount. So I'm not sure how much it's really going to matter. He does give up um, around 42, 42 42.6% fly balls. So, you know, as far as home runs go, that's not great for his just home division. And uh, as far as the AL East or the NL East parks, it's uh, it's not something that's necessarily going to to bug him too much. So if you're interested in James Paxton, you know, he, he always has that injury risk, but park factors aren't really going to bother him too much. Masahiro Tanaka, um, you know, ground ball guy uh, is not going to affect him much. Uh, J.A. Happ is someone where uh, maybe I would be a little bit worried about. Um, he gives up uh, almost 22% line drives and almost 40% fly balls. This seems like something that um, – across the board in a short season, I would be worried about some blowups from him, but again, he's going pretty late. So you'll be in a, you'll either be streaming him or it'll be a deep format where you're not necessarily relying on him anyway. So, you know, kind of, it is what it is there. Uh, the Toronto blue Jays, uh, obviously have one very interesting pitcher on their team, newly added, uh, Hunjin Ryu. It depends on what you think of him. Was he the guy you saw last year or not? I kind of want to think he is uh, 50% ground ball rate uh, kind of, you know, very much limits fly balls. So anyone that's kind of worried about him, like traveling to Yankee stadium and dealing with that, you know, the, that, the, the, that lineup, those, uh, those, you know, those right-handed hitters. I don't think that that really bugs me too much because he kind of, you know, limits the amount of hard contact he gives in the air. So um, I think Kenjin Ryu is someone that you should definitely invest in. I know Kenta Maeda, you know, again, the Dodgers, everyone loves that they escaped the Dodgers. I think this is really good news for him. Again, uh, moving his ground ball rate from 41% up to 45.1, 45.8, and then last year 50.4 um, is, is pretty good. So I think Kenjin Ryu is someone you could definitely uh, take a look at as far as the rest of the team, not a ton there that I, I really want to invest in as far as season long, uh, you know, with season long, it's 60 games. Nate Pearson is probably the second most interesting name. Uh, if they let him, you know, come aboard, he's going to be on their 60, uh, you know, their 60 man. We'll see if there's a need and if they allow him to come in with their young hitters, you never know. I mean, I, I would think they maybe will try to take a, make a run at this. Trent Thornton is someone I, I actually am very interested in. It, you know, it, it's, there's going to be growing. There could be some, um, some pains here in the short season in these parks. So unless my general philosophy with the AL East for a short season is if you are not completely sold on a pitcher, you probably want to avoid them later in the draft because there's a lot of home run part. You know, they're going to, if they're playing the Yankees and they're going to Baltimore, they're going to Philly uh, and a lot of parks that are generally positive towards hitters. Uh, then, you know, blow up games can really affect you. That's why it's so important to get a guy at the top of the rotation. So they're getting a lot of innings. Therefore, they can try to neutralize those bad outings, kind of like a reliever. You know how you have an elite reliever who gives up a, you know, three run home run early in the season is his numbers look bad for a while. And for a starting pitcher, if you have one bad outing and you're at the back end of a rotation, and you don't get the innings to get that back. It could really hurt you. Um, that matters more in Roto, um, you know, the, where those things really, you know, you really kind of want to add up those innings. Going over to the other side on the National League East, who are obviously playing their own division more, and then heading over to the American League, the Washington Nationals. I don't think there's a ton to worry about here as far as the ground ball pitcher, because uh, you know Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, they're really towards you know Strasburg last year was 51.1 percent ground ball rate. Patrick Corbin 49 and a half. Um, we don't expect them to be poor, but going over to the National or to the American League East parks, you know, Cam, like we said, Camden Yards, Yankee Stadium, those short porches. 
Uh, that's something that could sting. They should be able to try to avoid those kind of blow up games. Max Scherzer kind of worries me a little bit. Now, when I say worry, everyone's like, this isn't a thing where I'm not writing him off. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to have a terrible year, but 60 games, how many starts are you going to get? Uh, you know, I mean, he, he it, it just it just depends here. You know, they're going to be going to Camden Yards for six of their games, so he could get two starts there. Um, if you give up, you know, and he is he's homer prone. You know, that's one flaw in his game is he can be taken deep from time to time. So if, you know, he has a couple of blowups or even one, that could severely dent his value. And in 60 games, if he's like being drafted as a top five pitcher, maybe you want to rethink that. Uh, you know, he already had a little bit of a back issue last year, even though his, you know, his, his velocity was was up, his strikeouts were great. You know, if you're if you're picking like, you know, you're 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 thinking about between him and Walker Bueller, I'm leaning Walker Bueller. So this is, you know, one of the first pitchers that we've come to where I think the park factors have kind of peaked up and maybe changed something for me. It's not that I'm again writing him off. It's just he is someone that I would be I would be dinging a little bit and moving him down slightly. Um the Philadelphia Phillies. They have one guy <laughs> you want to worry about. Well, two. They have two. I'm sorry. Aaron Nola, we already talked about him a little bit uh, with Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, he actually is interesting because last year, like, you know, typically he has a high ground ball rate, 49.7%. But last year he was very homer happy, uh, gave up quite a few home runs. So a lot of that is expected to come down. Like, you know, in 2018, his, uh, you know, in, in that year that everyone was so enamored with, uh, 251 BABIP kind of led his 237 ERA last year, 387 ERA. but his 0.72 home runs per nine jumped to 120. Now, what do we expect? I, I would say that typically in his career, he's been below one, uh, 0 0.81, 0 0.96, 0 0.72. So all things considered, I would expect that to jump a little more towards the norm. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. That being said, I probably won't have too many shares of Aaron Nola for the simple reason that most of his value is kind of tied, or not most of it, some of his value is tied to the fact that he was someone that you could count on for 200 innings and that is gone now. So, I mean, he does strike people out, but he was, he's not like a devastating pitcher and he has some flaws that we've seen. So I think one of the parts that made him a good value where to take him was the 200 innings. And that is no longer there. Some people have come closer to him. So I will not be investing in Aaron Nola because we don't know if the home run factor will be fixed. If he goes on that pace this year, and he heads to the American League East Parks, that could spell trouble. Um, kind of the same thing with Zach Wheeler, newly minted uh, Phillies pitcher coming over from the Mets. Uh, he's going to now pitch most of his games in Citizens Bank Park. You know, obviously a, a far worse place to be pitching every day, you know, or all your home games than City Field. He was already prone to giving up a lot of, um, you know, a decent amount of fly balls is prone to the occasional big inning. Not as much as he was early in his career. He used to not be able to put people away and have some big blow up innings, but um, you know, he does on occasion give up some home runs. So again, an entire year um, having most of your, having all of your home games in citizens bank park, and then going to the uh, American league East, someone else, I think that you should probably be looking to fade. There's some people to jump up, some people to fade. And I believe he's someone you probably want to, uh, to put away. The uh, next up is the Mets. Jacob DeGrom, we do not have to spend any time talking about. It does not matter who he faces. It does not matter what park he's in. He's Jacob DeGrom, and he'll probably be looking forward to another Cy Young Award. Um, or at least, I'm sorry, vying for one. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of competition. Uh, the, on the other side of the team, you, you got uh, Steven Matz, who um, 
you know, he, he does have like a, a high ground ball rate, 47.1%, but he is definitely someone who is prone to giving up home runs. Don't let the ground ball rate fool you. Uh, and it's not like a fluke in terms of home run to fly ball ratio. His home runs per nine over the last three years are 162, 146, and 152. He gives up home runs. And traveling over to the American East is not going to be great for him. So Steven Matz is someone that was a value late in drafts. I would probably just mark him off my board unless it's, you know, for some reason everyone is in your draft and you can get him super late. But in general, someone's going to bite eventually. Uh, don't let that be you. Marcus Stroman came over to the Mets from Toronto and completely changed the kind of pitcher he was. He threw way less ground balls and he struck out more players. I would think that he would return to what he's been for most of his career, get that ground ball rate up, and that'll work out well in all these parks. So Marcus Stroman, I think, does remain a boring option that you can get for far cheaper than you should. So um, I would be investing in Marcus Stroman for sure. Uh, over on the Marlins, someone that I kind of been talking up is Caleb Smith. We kind of saw how he. Uh, performed early in the season before his injury. He was a completely different pitcher. I'm trying to pull up some splits right now just so I can recite you some accurate numbers. But uh, yeah, over the first couple of months of the season in March and April, a 167 batting average against a 229 Woba, uh, 29 innings pitched, 37 strikeouts. In May, 32 innings, 43 strikeouts with a 302 Woba. Like he was lights out. And then he, he was kind of terrible <laughs> for the rest of the season uh, after he came back from injury, he just wasn't the same. So for where he's going in drafts, he was kind of ace potential in the front half. So he's someone I was touting very much. The problem here is he does love to give up fly balls, 52 and a half percent. It's not something you want to see. There's been a narrative going here as far as what you want in these ballparks. And it's not someone who's going to be trying to give up a ton of fly balls. So He's going in a very interesting area of pitchers and in a short season with an already terrible lineup behind him. You might want to, you might want to consider elsewhere. Um, there's some, you know, some other guys like Sandy, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez uh, are, you know, are still interesting enough if you're in deep formats, but um, you know, Caleb Smith is the one that's been going primarily earlier in drafts. The Atlanta Braves, they have quite a few people on their team. Um, I don't think, Anyone needs me to tell them about Mike Soroka. He has his own fan base and his own detractors. Whether you think he can step up his strikeout rate more than it was last year, you know, he's obviously a ground ball machine. It is my, my opinion. I don't know why the Braves would turn him into a strikeout pitcher, even if he has the ability, because weak contact turns into turned into almost a Cy Young season for him. So why would they move him off of that? But here nor there, we're talking about park factors. Going to the American lease will not face him. If you're in on Mike Soroka, you're still in on Mike Soroka. If you're not, nothing really has changed. Uh, Max Freed is someone who definitely is a big ground ball hitter, uh, ground ball pitcher. You're gonna be you're gonna be fine with him as well. Um, Mike Fultonavich, I am not touching with a ten foot pole just because of his pitching velocity has nothing necessarily uh, to do with. Uh, with the park factors, but you know, with, if his velocity is still low, people can tend to square him up and that could spell bad things, uh, over a short season over in the American league East parks. So, uh, moving on to the central division, let's, let's talk about the American league central, uh, their ballparks, for example, Detroit, same as always, it's, it's terrible uh, for home run hitters. It's a fantastic place to pitch one of the best in the entire league. Um, as far as like, uh, you know, we said the, the, the Woba factor, um, it is, is one of the best, you know, in all of baseball, uh, Kansas city is right there with them though. Almost, um, 
almost right there with them. It's a, it's a terrible place uh, for hitters. Great place for pitchers. Uh, Minnesota is, is actually kind of um, pretty neutral in terms of uh, for a, a typical hitter home run park factor is actually below average. So again, for pitchers, this is pretty good. So right off the bat, three for three, Detroit, Minnesota, Kansas city, it's places that uh, pitchers would love to go. Uh, Chicago White Sox is, is a fairly neutral park. If anything, it, it's, it slants towards the hitters, but nothing crazy. And then Cleveland um, is probably the better, one of the better parks um, here in this division, but still it's, 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 it's neutral at best, slightly towards hitters, but pretty neutral. So there's only one slightly above average park for pitchers or for hitters, and that's the White Sox. And it's really not that bad. So this is definitely a pitcher's division. So let's talk about who will be visiting here uh, a little bit. The, the St. Louis Cardinals, you got the, Julio, you know, their, their big breakout star, uh, Jack Flaherty, who again, has a lot of people that are split on him in a full season. He finally kind of stepped up in terms of uh, how many innings he went. So it's not something you really need to worry about there. 38, 38.3% fly ball, 39.5% ground ball. Um, 22.2% line drive. So there's nothing really that stands out here uh, as, as a, as a negative, but uh, you know, he's, he will be going in his own ballpark, which again is his fantastic uh, place to pitch. It's actually in terms of uh, not home run factor, but in terms of uh, if you're looking at weighted on base, um, St. Louis is actually a better place to pitch than Detroit or Minnesota or Detroit or Kansas city. I know that sounds hard to believe, but yeah, in terms of the actual like uh, studies we're looking at uh, for your typical hitter uh, that is not swinging for power, it's actually St. Louis is one of the better places you can pitch. So he gets to have half of his games there and then he gets to go to Detroit, Minnesota, Kansas City, move up Jack Flaherty. Absolutely fantastic uh, lineup that he kind of draws here. Cincinnati, you know, they, it's not a great place. It, 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 they're probably... Uh, Twice as bad as your average. Oh, we have him at a uh, Richards has him as like a 1.72, which if your average is around a, a zero, uh, for example, um, what do we say? Detroit is like a negative 0.98. Uh, yeah. And Cincinnati lands at like a 1.72 for, for um, reference. Yankee stadium is like a plus 0.27. So again, 1.72, the reds pitchers, are kind of built to withstand that. They they built their entire pitching staff around ground ball pitchers. Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, they're all ground ball pitchers. The only one that really could suffer is maybe Trevor Bauer, um, who should, they should all see a bump from going over to these American League parks. So um, again, all in all, do you want to move up your Reds? I wasn't really in on Trevor Bauer to begin with, but this is a, this is a, if you were in on him at all, this is a positive for him. Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray probably aren't, too impacted, but going to these pitchers parks over in the American league will do nothing but help them. So move up your reds. Uh, the Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee, as you may have guessed is, is not a fantastic place for uh, pitchers as well. Uh, it's more like a, it's like a plus 0.5.54. So that is a place that, um, the rest of the hitters in the division are kind of enjoy. Brandon Woodruff is the only pitcher on this team. I really trust because he's the only one with a, uh, a solid track record of being a high level pitcher in the majors. Um, it was only kind of one season, but you know, the velocity was up. I think that sticks. He didn't go deep into games, but because of the uncertainty in the back end of their rotation, they're going to maybe push him to have to go those extra innings. Like we were, it was expected anyway, but over 60 games, you know, they're going to need him to kind of be their workhorse. Um, so, you know, this is a, this is a great thing for Brandon Woodruff too. So, 
I'm not really as high on Jesus Lazardo because I think he'll be like at the back end of the rotation. I don't know how the A's will end up working the bullpen usage there, but Brennan Woodruff will be at the front of the Brewers rotation and they need him to be an ace. So um, he's someone in a short season, I think should be moved way up. I think he's getting nowhere near the amount of respect he deserves, especially someone who gets to go again, pitch in Detroit, Kansas city. Um, it's, it's, it's great for him. Uh, moving over to the Cubs, you Darvish. I think I put out a tweet earlier. Anyone follows me on Twitter, Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Go check it out. I did my predictions for who will lead the league in certain areas. I predicted you Darvish would lead the league in strikeouts, mostly due to the fact that he gets to play the Reds and the Brewers and the uh, and the Tigers and the White Sox, who just strike out like crazy. <laughs> he strike out like crazy. One downside to you, Darvish's game, and even last year in the second half when his K-minus walk ratio was off the charts and he was like literally Cy Young, definitely like the best pitcher in the second half by far, he has a home run problem as well. So he um, he's going to be pitching most of his game in Wrigley, which if you listen to hitting the hitting uh, one, and I'll repeat it here, is not actually as much of a hitter's park as people give it credit for. As far as home run park factors, it's rather neutral, and so... It is in the Woba factor as well. It's rather neutral. It does swing towards the hitters a little bit, but it's not that bad. And now he gets to go to those American League parks. And we already know that he was pitching in his division. Cincinnati won't be a picnic, but St. Louis, Pittsburgh, they're all kind of fine places to be. And he gets to go to uh, the American League Central. Hugh Darvish, another guy uh, I was already high on. I think he is the only one outside of the elite that I would really bank on as having a true possibility of being like a top three pitcher. Would I put money on it? No, there's a lot that needs to be repeated and he has to leapfrog a lot of talent, but he has it. He has it in him. It's lining up. He has great ballpark factors. Uh, he's facing a lot of strikeout uh, batters and uh, you know, he's coming off that stretch of hardly walking anybody. So absolutely love that. Uh, Jose Quintana, we heard lacerated his thumb, I think. Washing dishes? <laughs> Am I getting that right, everybody? Uh, I wasn't in on him anyway, but you know, obviously that takes care of him. Kyle Hendricks, in a short season, I don't think compilers are the way to go. A guy like him kind of needs innings pitched to be worth it to you because he's going to lower your ERA whip. Um, he's not going to strike out many people, so you know, uh, if he, you know, I don't know. I mean, the, the ball we're talking about ballpark factors, so yes, this is definitely a positive for for Kyle Hendricks. I'm not sure if you necessarily still want to be in on Kyle Hendricks, who again had a, his ground ball rate has gone down and his fly ball rate has gone up. And now he is in a season where he, his best asset is, is not helping him through an entire fantasy season. So Kyle Hendricks is someone in general, I really wouldn't want to be a part of Pittsburgh. Not too much here. Uh, to talk about Joe Musgrove. I put out an entire thread about him recently. He, his metrics haven't changed much in the last four years, except at the end of 2019, his velocity really picked up. And he he kind of changed his pitch mix from um, throwing a lot of sinkers to throwing a lot more four-seam fastballs that he was elevating to try to get more whiffs on. But like Shane Bieber, like the Cincinnati Reds, he's someone who needs to put away his fastball more and lean more on his secondary pitches. Searage has out as pitching coach. They have a new pitching coach in who is more focused on analytics. And I think when he looks at the data, because again, if it was very easy for me to find and break down for you, it should be for a major league team. If they change his pitch mix, like I think they will. I think there's a little bit of ace upside in him and he gets to pitch in a very pitcher friendly park or a, in a fairly 
neutral to pitcher friendly park in Pittsburgh. And then he gets to go to these American league stadiums. I think that uh, Musgrove is in for a, a decent year and you can get him at a nice discount. I know that he's a trendier pick. Like he's still going late, so it's not like people are moving him up dramatically, but you're not getting the full discount on some deep sleepers. But I think he is very much worth the price. So um, all in on Joe Musgrove. Chris Archer obviously out for the season, so unfortunately we're not going to talk about him. Uh, over on the other side of the uh, in the American League, the Tigers, there's only one guy really worth talking about there, and that's Matthew Boyd. He already gets to play most of his games here in his own division, and that's kind of where he gets his bump, is getting 40 of the 60 games in his own division. His division is fantastic to pitch in. And, you know, he gets to play half of his games, you know, 30 of these 60 games in, uh, in you know, Comerica. Obviously, he's not going 30 games. He only starts so many of them. But for a guy that uh, gives up 44.9% fly balls, that's pretty good for him. Um, he could have a couple of rough starts here or there in Cincinnati, uh, Milwaukee. But, again, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Chicago, not bad places to pitch, really, especially if the wind's blowing in in Chicago. <laughs> So Matthew Boyd, absolutely. Uh, you know, Alex Fast, as you're listening, Matthew Boyd, I'm on board. Uh, Minnesota Twins have have a couple of people that uh, you need to be thinking about. Jose Barrios, kind of like Aaron Nola, you would think could possibly get a ding as not getting as many strikeouts as you want from him. He's a lot of called strikes. Um, and, you know, getting 200 innings out of him was like a big deal as well. He doesn't have that going for him. But if you remember last year in the first half, he was cruising. And he was he was pretty dominant at the second half. He kind of tailed off. Maybe it was a um, you know maybe it was a fatigue issue. He won't have that. So Jose Barrios is someone who I'm actually quite interested in, um, especially where he's going. He's someone that I think is not getting enough respect either, especially in a shortened season. I think that the Twins are really going for it, and they may let him off the chain. And uh, you know he could have a lot of innings here and have a big impact. Jake Odorizzi, 44.3 percent fly ball rate. Uh, another kind of um, deeper. Sleeper of sorts. We all know draft cheat. <laughs> Pete loves Jake Odorizzi. He's someone who will just, again, benefit from being in his own division for 40 of the 60 games. Same exact thing as Matthew Boyd. Uh, you know, St. Louis, uh, Chicago, Pittsburgh will be fine. Cincinnati, Milwaukee, you know, um, you may even consider sitting him against Cincinnati. We'll see how they're rolling. Uh, you know, they, they have some MVP candidates in that lineup because of a short season. We'll see how they heat up. But um, yeah, being in his own division, absolutely love Jake Odorizzi and obviously Kenta Maeda. The only question I have about him is that contract, and I can't get anyone to answer this for me. Are these things prorated? The Dodgers had a stipulation in Kenta Maeda's contract that, that prevented them from wanting to pitch him because there was an inning pitch stipulation that would get him more money. Again, the, the Twins traded for him for a reason. They want to win. So you'd think that wouldn't be a consideration either way. In a shortened season, he would have never reached it. My question is, does it get prorated in some way? I wouldn't think it does, but some people are telling me it does. Some people are telling me it doesn't. I don't know. But uh, either way, Kenta Maeda, as I think that, you know, is someone that you could invest in because I think there's a chance either way that they were going to ignore that. Uh, the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> Let's talk about Danny Duffy. This is one of those things where I mentioned earlier where being at the front of a rotation is a big deal in a short season. Uh, every, you know, if you haven't listened to me before, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have by now, you know, my thoughts on Danny Duffy. Uh, he added his velocity was back up to where it was when he kind of broke out. You know, you know, Danny Duffy's name for a reason. Um, a few years back, he was, you know, he did very well, um, you know, around like, you know, 2014, even 2016, 2017, he still had an ERA in the, uh, you know, the mid, mid threes. So he came to spring training. His, uh, his slider has never been at a higher velocity. His fastball is back to where it was. He played the, the Reds who, you know, he'll be facing, he'll be facing this season. And he actually took the heart of their lineup and struck out like six of them. I think like four of them swinging in spring training. 
So there's something here. He is free. So that is a big thing. Um, and, you know, for a guy like, uh, you know, a guy like Danny Duffy, who again gives up like 42% fly balls, sticking around his own division, half of his game in Kaufman. Uh, and then he gets to go, you know, Detroit and the, all the other ones. Uh, this is a good spot for him. So as someone who I liked as a deep sleeper, uh, I love him even more now. In a 12-team league, it's kind of hard to pass on some talent. But again, being at the front end of the rotation, he's going to be guaranteed innings pitch. He's going to be guaranteed starts. And that is a big deal. Um, you know, the back end of this Cincinnati, or this Kansas City rotation will probably get like bullpenned out. We don't know how many innings the starters will be going. But Danny Duffy probably will not be affected by that. And that is currency. So again, front end rotation guys get a bump and Danny Duffy is one of those guys. Chicago White Sox, Lucas Giolito, obviously being the most important guy in that entire rotation. A lot of people very high on him. Prone to blowups as my co-host who's not hearing out John MLB moving averages. He says he does. He's out on Lucas Giolito for where he's going because he is just above that kind of you Darvish tier. He's between the, um, the elite, like the elite B, like, you know, you have the top elite guys at the top, like DeGrom, uh, Cole Scherzer, Verlander, Bueller. And then there's that tier behind it with like Clevenger, Bieber, Flaherty. Giolito's right behind that tier. So you got to pay for him. He is a fly ball pitcher and you have to believe in what he did. Uh, you know, he at the second half, he wasn't nearly the same, but you know, it kind of depends. If you, if you already have in your opinion made up for him, I think that this is a positive being in uh, as far as par factors go. So kind of use your own inter- determination. If you were in on Giolito or on the fence, this is a positive for him. If you were worried about blowups, um, I think that the, you know this could mitigate that. But you know, it's all a matter of draft position for him. Uh, if he slides towards more towards the beginning of the draft, I think he's a pass. If he stays where he is or moves back, I think he's a great value. Reynaldo Lopez um, gives up a ton of fly balls too. Hard pass there. I, I I truly don't understand why anyone is in on him. And then Dylan Cease. I know everyone loves him. I do too. He has amazing stuff. I don't see the innings working out for him or anyone in the back end of a rotation, especially people that aren't proven uh, and a team that could be going for it. Like at the white Sox in 60 games, there's, there's going to be growing pains and you cannot survive blowups in a short season. And Dylan sees is almost guaranteed to give you them. So unfortunately I think, think he's a pass even where he's going. The Cleveland Indians are just chock full of pitching in a 60 game season. They could make a run for this because if, you know, if Beaver Clevenger and uh, cookie Carrasco are like healthy, which again, I would I don't know. We haven't heard anything about Cookie. I would I would expect him to sit out this season. There's I you know I mean there's been some people that have already like Mike Leake. We know Ian Desmond have been sitting out. Carrasco wouldn't shock me if he did. Um, Shane Bieber, I'm fully on board. Uh, he really came into his own, especially in the second half. He he changes pitch mixups where even though his fastball is lousy, he uses it just to to set up his secondary stuff, which is second to none. He has just pinpoint accuracy like Greg Maddox. Um, and I think that uh, he's a special pitcher that uh, in a in a shortened season should be able to, I think, avoid some blowups. Mike Clevenger is a little riskier in the fact that, um, you know, he, he, we don't, he, there could be injury here. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he should be, he's, he'll be completely healthy from the knee issue that he had, even though it was on his plant leg. But he has, he has Cy Young upside. So in a short season, Clevenger should be great. And like I said with the other pitchers, he gets to play 40 of his 60 games in this division. And that is a great thing. So Mike Clevenger uh, gets a bump up. Now moving out to the, uh, the West, starting with the National, uh, starting with the American League West. Um, they have uh, Seattle, typically known as a pretty nice pitcher's park. Again, 
not necessarily that way in terms of home runs. Uh, it's pretty fair to all fields as far as a Woba factor. It is a pitcher's park, almost a negative 0.84. Um, so yes, I, I would say that uh, Seattle is a place that pitchers overall are going to be fine pitching. Houston's an enigma. <laughs> it's one of the worst center fields in all of baseball, but the pull side power to either side, left or right, is is bad. We that's you've seen the numbers in Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and how much they'd love to pull the ball. Yuli Gurriel, and there's a reason for it. Um, and, and even Woba factor is a 1.51. So this is a terrible place for pitchers to be. Oakland has been known as a uh, a hardcore pitcher's park. Not necessarily the case as far as home runs go. It's pretty neutral to uh, left and center. Uh, left left-handed pull power to right field is below average. Uh, but uh, from as far as a woba factor, um, terrible place for pitchers. There's just so much. There's so much um, real estate. It's a negative point one three nine. You know, there's there's so many places for a pitcher to a hitter to put the ball there that you can be damaged quite a bit. So again, Oakland. And Seattle are a couple of great places to, for, for pitchers to go. Angels Park, uh, even though it actually has a decent center field, actually one of the easier center fields to hit a ball out to, uh, left and right pull power is okay. It's actually a pretty decent pitcher's park in terms of the Woba factor as well, negative 0.98. And New Texas Stadium, we don't know how it's going to go, indoor, outdoor. You know, it's got the, uh, it's got the, uh, the dome. As far as measurements go, it should be decent <laughs> for a left-handed pull power and to center and pretty neutral to left field for right-handed pull power. And it should be it should be a little bit of a hitter's park, but we don't know. If nothing else, let's just assume it's pretty neutral with the uh, with the roof on, which I think in the heat they'll probably be doing. Uh, so who knows? Maybe because of COVID, they'll want to keep the roof open, get some fresh air in there. But um, anyway, that is your ballpark there. As far as Seattle goes, there's not there's not a ton here you want to invest in um, as far as 12 team leagues go, but there's certainly some interesting names that people are interested in. Uh, Marco Gonzalez um, is someone, you know, this this playing in this entire division should help, but they do have to go out to the uh, National League West. So we'll run down those real quick. Uh, Arizona, bad center field, uh, but overall with the humidor, um, it's it's a little bit of a pitcher's park, negative 0.7. San Diego, um, it's actually a positive uh, for, for home run factor, especially for right-handed pull power. It's not that hard to hit the ball out there, but a lot of real estate otherwise. So negative 0.8 as far as Woba. So a decent place for a pitcher to be. Colorado, huge nightmare for both in terms of home runs and Woba. It's a 3.31, <laughs> which again, before I said Cincinnati was great, a 1.72. Coors Field's at 3.31. It's a nightmare. We all know it's a nightmare. Uh, Dodgers is pretty neutral across the board in terms of both home runs and Woba. It's, it's literally probably the most neutral park in the entire league and San Francisco cavernous, um, very below average for home runs to left center and right field. And from a Woba factor, negative one, negative 1.33. So all in all, if you can avoid Colorado, uh, this is beautiful. It's a beautiful place to be. So Marco Gonzalez gets a little bit of a bump here and, um, anyone kind of taking a, chance on some of the other guys there you know such as uh, justice sheffield or even taiwan walker you know this this helps being in their own division and going out to the uh, national league west it, it does help so i you know it just depends i know again my co-host is not here justice sheffield he obviously uh he, he's, he's definitely a big fan of justice sheffield so this is something that could help even you see kikuchi but they're all kind of deep league options um across the board on this entire team houston astros justin verlander is interesting he is someone that kind of like max scherzer could get burned a little bit by home runs, but this 
the the worst park he's going to face is his own. It depends on narrative. What do you believe? Do you think he's going to be pressing? Do you think that the umpires are going to screw the Astros? Definitely could. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing we can really truly predict. But um, Justin Verlander, we know, was a kind of a bulldog. He got screwed out of a Cy Young last year by his own teammate after being screwed out of a Cy Young a couple years ago uh, by uh, Rick Porcello. He could have a huge chip on his shoulder in a short season at the end of his career. Who's to say he won't go nine innings every time out? Tell Dusty Baker, give me the ball. Dusty Baker's old school, you know, give me the ball every single, he could lead the league in, uh, in strikeouts. He could lead the league in inning pitched. So uh, overall, other than his own ballpark, you know, which people like pitching at home, even if it's a bad ballpark, except for the guys in Colorado, the ballpark factors line up really well for him. So Justin Verlander, I'm very happy with, he should be completely healed from his, uh, his groin injury that kind of kept him out at the end of spring, you know, fake spring training 1.0. Now we're in summer camp or whatever the hell they're calling it. So yeah, Justin Verlander, uh, I, I dinged Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander. I'm actually low key. I really want to move him up high. I almost want him more than Garrett Cole. I'm not even kidding. Again, there's no rules in 60 games. I'm talking narrative base. Uh, there's some interesting things to think about with Justin Verlander, Zach Granke, very trendy pick. People love him in a short season. They think that, uh, you know, rather than wearing down and maybe he'll be able to air it out a little bit. Uh, so obviously this is fantastic for Zach Granke, Lance McCullers, these ballpark factors line up great for anyone that believes in him. Uh, but like, just like teammate Carlos Correa, is he going to put it all together? Yeah. What if he has one of the best curveballs, if not the best curveball in baseball. So it really comes down to, um, Roster construction, whether you sewn up people that you are, are happy taking earlier, but in a short season where you got to take some risks, Lance McCullers is a great option because if he can keep it together for 60 games, um, these ballpark factors line up beautifully for him. So I love Lance McCullers Jr. Oakland, nightmare scenario in Oakland. The only pitcher I want is Frankie Montas because of the uh, the thing I talked about earlier with Brandon Woodruff. He's actually the only pitcher I think the athletics will let go. Cause he's not like a super prospect, even though he's younger, you know, we saw him last year, what that split finger did turn him into an ACE. Um, the short season is going to help him because he hadn't pitched too many innings before that. But Jesus Lizardo, everyone's moving him up their board, moving him up their board, moving him up their board, almost to the point where he's in the Aaron Nola territory and Brandon Woodruff territory. And he'll probably be near the back end of the rotation. He's only pitched over five innings like once in his entire career in the minor leagues. And all of a sudden people think that he's just going to go balls out in the, uh, you know, in deep into games and they're not going to try to protect him and AJ puck. I'm not so sure. So you really have to, you really have to think about investing high in Hazel Zardo. And I'm not going to, if he blows up, you know, and, and becomes like this huge monster, is it going to surprise me? <laughs> no, if, if he could compete for a Cy Young award and it wouldn't surprise me. His, his stuff is amazing. But remember that his velocity that we saw late last year was in the bullpen. That's likely to come down. And we don't know what Oakland's going to do. You know, they're penny pinchers at heart. They, you know, they they didn't want to pay any of their minor leaguers until they were guilted into doing it. So we don't know what Oakland's going to do. The Angels, they have a few interesting people on their team as well. I wish that they had Ross Stripling on their team, but that freaking deal fell apart. Uh, but let's start with Andrew Heaney and his magical sinker that actually rises. He is someone that uh, should Definitely benefit from everything I've already talked about. Um, you know, when he's healthy, he's actually, I don't want to say ace-like, he's just below, but uh, he is someone that I think if if uh, he were healthy this entire time, he'd be going in like the Jose Barrios part of the draft. That's how good he can be. So um, he's someone that I'd be definitely be interested in. The most interesting name by far is obviously Shohei Otani. They say they're only going to pitch him one time a week. 
because obviously coming off Tommy John surgery. So there's good news, bad news. Good news, they say he's going to pitch. He'll come out of the gate as a two-way player, which is awesome, especially if you're in a daily league where you can afford to actually move him back and forth between hitter and pitcher. If you're in a daily league, he's actually invaluable. He could be a first-round pick. I'm not even kidding. Uh, But in weekly leagues, it's very tough if you're only getting one start a week and if it somehow gets moved around and he's coming off Tommy John surgery. I have the beholder. Um, You can take risks. We know how great it can be. This is a good, uh, the ballparks are good for him. But uh, yeah, if you're in a weekly league, I'd say let someone else take that risk. If you're in a daily league, I'd try to get him on your team. Um, and then you got Dylan Bundy, AKA worst fastball in the entire league. The The move out to LA should help him. I think a change of scenery is going to do him well, you know, as far as a full season of it. So uh, he's someone who's kind of going in that uh, territory we talked about earlier, the Joe Musgrove, Jose Arquiti kind of area where, the you know ballpark factors. If you're in on him, this is a positive for him. Texas, uh, Texas is Texas is interesting. We don't know how their ballpark's going to play, and that's kind of the hard part here because um, people are very high on like Lance Lynn, Corey Kluber. We're more on Kluber because he could give you those 200 innings. That's gone now, by the way. So he's someone I'm actually a little off. Um, but Lance Lynn and Corey Kluber kind of had similar projections for me. So they're similar pitchers. It just depends on how this park is going to play. Overall, I want to say it's positive for them. Um, one of them will slide because of all the newbies, uh, you know, floating the short season guys up. So I think it's draft dependent. See who falls in your draft. I think Lynn and Kluber stand to benefit from people discounting them and just take the guy who falls further. Mike Miner is actually a guy I'm very interested in as someone who has been painted with a brush of being fairly uh injury prone but last year he proved at times to be actually one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and i'm not exaggerating um if you don't remember go back and take a look at the game log this guy was dominant um when he uh when he for most of the year and and he pitched a couple he pitched a complete game he threw um over eight innings one two three four five six times would you have guessed that and many more times in the sixth and seventh um, going deep into the games, innings pitched really count. And Mike Miner did that last year. So where he's going in drafts, not getting kind of respected, love Mike Miner. Um, I think he's actually a must own, especially with these park factors we're talking about. Um, let's say they, you know, close the roof. Texas becomes a little more neutral and he gets to go to those National League West parks. Mike Miner, absolutely beautiful pick. Uh, over in Arizona, you have Mason Saunders <laughs> over there with the Diamondbacks, Mr. Madison Bumgarner himself. He was already going a little too high for me. I actually think Zach Allen is going to be the superior pitcher going forward in their careers. Uh, you know, you could argue it's a 60-game season. All, every single game is a playoff game. Maybe that works out well <laughs> for Madison Bumgarner, who's one of the best postseason pitchers in history. But he turned into like a home – he had a really big home run problem. Um, if you're going to have that, he probably has the best couple of divisions to do that in. But, um, you know, going to Colorado still, having to go to Colorado maybe a couple of times, going to Houston, he could have blow-up games, and those could really ruin it for you. And I think those are likely coming. Same with Robbie Ray. Gives up a ton of home runs and walks a ton of people. In a short season, you don't want any of that. You don't want someone who walks people, <laughs> and you don't want someone who could give up a lot of home runs, and you definitely don't want a combination of the two. So, yeah, Robbie Ray, big hard, no thanks. And Zach Gallon is interesting because even though he was – a rookie last year, he he worked deep into games quite a bit. I just mentioned Mike Miner. It would surprise you. Look at Zach Gallon. He's six and seven innings, two or less earned runs. He was actually a machine. Uh, so Zach Gallon, the the biggest risk there is they talked about him not making the rotation, which is totally bullshit in spring training 1.0. He'll make the rotation. Of course he will. But I don't know where he'll line up in it. 
and if they're going to treat it any differently with him being at the back. So pay attention. If you're, if you're redrafting, pay attention in spring training, see if we can get any news as far as where they plan on pitching him in this rotation, because innings with him will be the big thing. If they pitch him, it'll be great. We had a conversation on Twitter um, where Rob Silver was actually talking about Lizardo and Zach Gallen as two pitchers, or if you drafted them, they'd pitch phenomenally and you'd be happy with their stats through three games. But after that, you don't know if you'd be able to start them because of the usage by their teams. And that's really the way it'll go for a lot. So you'll have to make hard choices and you'll have to make moves on the fly. And Zach Gallon's unfortunately one of those guys that we just can't be too sure about because we just don't know how his team is going to use him. San Diego, well, we mentioned, you know, Pecco on the whole is, is a pretty p- good place to, to play. Chris Paddock, one of those people like Brennan Woodruff, like Tyler Glass now, people are kind of moving up because of the short season and probably and probably with good reason. You know, he gets to play most of his games here. It's it's unfortunate that, um, you know, in his own division, he may have to go to Colorado a couple of times, which is this thing for this entire thing, this entire um, division here, the, the National League West. The AL West probably had a, a game coming at course for them. Um, but, you know, the, the National League West might have a couple. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's hard to factor that in and you certainly don't want to discount a pitcher entirely because of it. But in 60 games, it is unfortunately something to think about. You can always use it as a tiebreaker. Um, But Paddock, he doesn't give a lot of hard contact, um, really. I mean, as far as uh, fan graphs, 42.1%, but uh, 17.2 soft contact. only 17.5 line drive rate gives up 42% fly balls, but 40% ground balls. So it's not too bad. I think Paddock overall for a team that's really going for it, he'll probably be someone that I don't move around much. I think he, his value sticks where it is. Uh, Joey Lucchese, big ground ball pitcher should help him avoid blowups. And he was working on another pitch in spring training. He, he remains someone I'm interested in. Um, Mackenzie Gore. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, I would have been all over him. I don't know how they'll limit his innings. They'll probably limit it too much to the point where you're going to end up paying too much for him. Um, if you want to invest in a rookie, maybe Nate Pearson, Nate Pearson or Spencer Howard would be a better way to go. Um, even with Spencer Howard having to go to Baltimore and New York and possibly have blowups. If, if you, if you feel the need <laughs> to have a prospect on your team, you may just want to go cheaper. Um, and I'm not like Nick. Pollock, no offense, Nick, who doesn't like Mackenzie Gore. I never got the understanding of that. Uh, he, I think he's going to be a phenomenal all-star, but this year may not be the year to invest in him. Colorado, they're playing half their games in Colorado still, but half the games they will not be calling Colorado. So what do we think? Is there any Rockies pitchers that we think you can use? There's one, and his name is not John Gray. Herman Marquez, everyone has heard me talk about him at this point. If not, here's your lesson. ground ball rate. Again, the kind of the way the Rays went, the Rockies built their entire rotation to be ground ball pitchers. Smart thing to do. Herman Marquez had a real issue with sliders last year, which a lot of pitchers did. Uh, You know, ask Edwin Diaz, ask a lot of pitchers that couldn't get the grip on the ball. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the, uh, the, the Homer happy ball where they call it the happy fun ball. Um, People were having a hard time actually gripping the ball and getting it to do what they wanted. And one of the main complaints about it were people that threw the slider. If, if you look at his numbers, which again, this is the thing I use for Marcel Azuna, where people will look at Babip and think he had a great year. Where I said, no, he actually, his batting average on um, ground balls went from 300 to like 100 because they started shifting on him more. You know, there's there's things behind the data. If you just look at Herman Marquez, it looks like he had a real big issue p- pitching at home, and that's 
actually not the problem. His slider in 2018, when he was great, had a 162 batting average against a 181 X batting average. Uh, last year, 295 batting average with a 261 expected. They just, they really buried his slider. For example, if you want another thing, it wasn't that he was just, you're, you're saying, oh, he got lit up more, Matt. Four seam fastball, the pitch that always gets lit up. In 2018, I think it's lit up for everybody, the four-seamer. That's just the pitch that people square up. In 2018, 312 batting average against with a 289 expected. 2019, when he got destroyed, 295 expected batting average. He actually, his four-seamer got hit harder in 2018 than in 2019. But his slider is the thing that killed him. And by the way, the problem with sliders is when they don't slide, they get killed. And if you have a pitch that doesn't slide in Coors Field, it gets double killed. So yeah. He had a problem with Coors Field, but it actually, in my opinion, had a lot more to do with his slider not sliding than it did with him being at Coors Field. If the new baseball is back, which a lot of people think it is, um, we'll have to see uh, how that goes. The only problem is the commissioner, who knows in the shortened season if he's going to sneak back in the happy fumble on us. But in uh, spring training 1.0, uh, it looked like the old pitch was uh, the old uh, ball was back. And Herman Marquez is someone who goes deep into games. And for Colorado, he could be someone that could go seven, eight innings. And, uh, you know, if he bounces back, he's going in a part of the draft where he is just a tremendous value. And outside of his own ballpark, if he can function in his own ballpark, he is a great value. The fact where he's going so late, you could almost draft him and not even pitch him at home and actually get a good value out of him. You could, uh, but I'm of the opinion that if he gets his slider back, he will go back to what he was, if not a little better. So Herman Marquez, absolutely. Um, the Dodgers for the last couple of teams here, the Dodgers, and the giants. I, I don't need to say much about Walker Bueller. He's, he's very consistent and that's something that's going to kind of pull, you know, into his value. Um, he'll be great. You know, he, he, he's, Gives up a lot of ground balls, kind of like Clayton Kershaw. 42.7% for Bueller, 48% for Clayton Kershaw. Love them both. Bueller, you have to pay a little more for, but I think that uh, it's kind of warranted at this point. Uh, less risk there. Kershaw's had a little bit of wear and tear, tear on him, but uh, they'll both go deep into games. So Bueller, I think, is a fantastic choice to even go as the SP3. Um, again, I'm, I have no problem taking Verlander there. A lot, of, a lot of people, you can do whatever you feel right, but Clayton Kershaw is the person that everyone seems to be very, very high on because he, despite having the uh, the ding on him for maybe having an injury history now, he, he when he pitches, he goes deep into games, and that is currency. So a lot of people have him as a top 10 starting pitcher. I'm not going to argue against them. Um, this is a, and as far as ballpark factors, it's very positive for Clayton Kershaw. So he is someone that I think um, is uh, going to benefit here, and the same as David Price as well. More risk there, but you're paying nowhere near as much. I think that the change of scenery going from Boston to the Dodgers um, is going to be great for him. He has a nice lineup behind him. He'll go He'll go enough innings to get those wins, which is all important. Back end of the rotation, like Arias, again, want no part of, don't know what they're going to do. They have like three starting pitchers in their, rota- in their bullpen. They have Ross Stripling. They have uh, Dustin May. I mean, they have so many people that they could mix and match with at the back of the rotation where I'm kind of – I think I just want to go with Kershaw and Bueller, maybe invest in price, and then kind of draw the line there. But ballpark factors, beautiful for them. And San Francisco, which is truly unfortunate that they don't have something more interesting to offer because it's such a fantastic place to pitch. Uh, even with that lineup behind them, Tyler Beatty is someone that, uh, you know, was kind of rising up the charts. He's obviously out this year um, with injury. There's three 
interesting guys here. Jeff Samarja, who always underperforms his peripherals. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, who was a preseason darling in 2019. Um, and Johnny Cueto, who probably profiles as the starting pitcher. If you are deep in, in a deep league and you just want to gamble on some some innings pitched because of the ballpark factors here, you could maybe do a little worse. But again, you can't afford to have blow-up games. And I'm not sure these are the three you want to be targeting if you want to avoid blow-up games. Um, so that kind of does it for that kind of does it for the entire league. I hope you got something really sweet out of this because there was a lot of information here. You know, the ballpark factors for pitchers are a little harder to gauge. You can kind you know, you can only gauge like the general factor of the entire park and who's facing who. Um, the main thing for pitching in a short season is you want to make sure you're you're kind of drafting at the top of a rotation. You want those innings because you don't want the bullpen coming in, then pulling a guy after four and taking your win away from you. Also, innings will minimize the damage a blow-up will have or a home run will have. You want those innings. So you want absolutely want innings, and you want to avoid blow-ups. And that's something we kind of discussed with all these ballpark factors. You want to kind of avoid situations where uh, you could be put, in a, put against a lineup in a um, hitter's stadium where things can go awry. So um, if you have any questions, definitely reach out to me on Twitter, Matt Williams, M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Always glad to talk uh, about anything uh, and tell you kind of the thought process behind a lot of this. If you have any questions about park factors or anything, uh, definitely reach out to me. We have our um, own park factors from uh, our boy Crosby over on Frodo Fanatic. We're going to have a whole section up on the site very, very soon. Uh, he has uh, some factors, not only to left, center, and right, but left, center, right, center. Uh, some fantastic data coming your way that I can't wait to, to share with you. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast. we got some baseball coming up tomorrow. We actually have uh, baseball all day. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about it. So thanks for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast, and we'll catch you next week. See everybody. My, oh, my. Coach, I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two What it do? Win leaps Catch out Catch out